Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Take your Bibles, go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number three. Pastor preached a message this morning and about refocusing and getting focused on Christ. And I had already been planning to preach this message out of Philippians chapter three. And so it just kind of acted as confirmation to what I was already planning to do. But I want to preach to you a message out of Philippians chapter three on knowing Christ. Knowing Christ. I don't know what you normally do for your services, but I'd ask you to stand, if you would, out of reverence for God's Word as we read the first ten verses of Philippians chapter 3. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says this, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead." Let's pray and ask God's blessings upon the preaching of His Word tonight. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we come before You tonight. And Father, we thank You for the privilege we have. We thank You, Father, for the freedom that we have to gather together in Your name. Lord, and to worship Your name, to sing songs of praise to You, to call upon Your name. Lord, and then to look into Your Word. And I pray, Father, tonight that You would help us, Lord, as we... Look into your word. Help us to have understanding of what it means. Help me, Lord, as, uh, as the messenger tonight, Lord, to give a good meaning, a good understanding, a, a good explanation of that, what you're trying to convey to us tonight. I pray, Father, for the next, uh, next amount of time, Lord, that you would help us just to put away the cares and concerns of this world, put away the thoughts of going back to work tomorrow, Put away all the, the, the thoughts about all the errands we need to run in the week ahead. 
Lord, and for the next time, Lord, we would focus on this place and we would focus upon Your Word and upon hearing from You. Father, I pray that Christ may be exalted and lifted up tonight. I pray, Lord, that I might decrease. I pray, Father, You might empower me through Your Word to preach in a way that would honor and glorify You. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in Philippians chapter 3, you might say that we go on, go, on, go on a journey with the Apostle Paul. A journey to knowing Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul takes the opportunity to share his past accomplishments and his pedigree with us. We saw that back in verses 5 and 6 where he talks about circumcised the eighth day, a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. And Paul rehearses for us his pedigree. And he rehearses for us his accomplishments from a time when he was completely consumed with a law that could not bring righteousness. And then Paul writes, starting in verse number 7, he writes about leaving those past accomplishments and leaving those personal characteristics behind and counting them as lost. Look what he says in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. He says, I leave all that behind. None of that matters to me anymore. All of that is pointless and meaningless. I want to know Christ. Paul goes on a little further. He writes about the excellency of knowing Christ personally. He says this, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. He said nothing compares Nothing compares to knowing Jesus Christ. The excellency of knowing Him. How His past pride, His past accomplishments were worthless in comparison. And then He says this in verse 9, and I want to be found in Him. Not in my own righteousness. I want to be found in Him. He, he, he writes about the comfort of having the righteousness which belongs to Christ applied to his account. Not the righteousness of the law, but be found in Christ. And then finally in our text tonight, in verse number 10, Paul writes about his deep desire to know Jesus Christ on an intimate level and to share in the things that Jesus Christ experienced. Not knowing Christ just in the initial salvation experience, but a lifelong process of deeper understanding and deeper knowledge and deeper fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is trying to get across to us here in this text tonight. Paul writes about the reality of knowing Christ on a deeply personal level. He writes in verse number 10, that I may know Him. That I may know Him. Paul writes about knowing Christ on a personal level. Now, what does it mean to know Christ? What does it mean to know Christ? Does it mean that, you know, I pray a 30-second prayer, I have my eternal destiny changed, I am translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, I am, I am taken from being a child of the devil and made part of the family of God, and I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, and now somehow, magically, I automatically know Jesus Christ. Is that how it works? 
Does it mean to know Christ? Does, does knowing Christ mean, do you know Jesus in the same way as you might pass someone on the sidewalk that you kind of vaguely recognize as an acquaintance and you kind of nod your head at them and they nod your, their head at you and yeah, I, I know him. Is that what it means to know Christ? In reality, that is nowhere close to what Paul's talking about in this passage. The word know means to have a deep, I'm sorry, the word know means to have a personal, experiential knowledge. To know someone or something personally or intimately. And Paul says in verse 10, that I may know him. Paul is speaking about knowing Jesus Christ on a deeply personal level. Not like an acquaintance that you met sometime long ago and you kind of recognize them as you're walking you know, down the sidewalk or maybe you're passing them you know, through the four-year in church. That's not what he's talking about. And too many believers, and I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight because it's a Sunday night, but too many believers view their relationship with Christ on simply a transactional level. He gave his life for me. I have received him as my savior. I'm on my way to heaven. Transaction complete. But Paul says, no. Paul says, I want to know him. Compare your relationship with Christ with knowing your spouse for just a moment. You know your spouse. You know the things that they like. You know the things that they don't like. You know the things that they do. You know the things that they don't do because you spend time with them. Imagine if you got married. My wife and I got married on this very platform. Imagine if we had gotten married right up here. We got married. We say, I do. You may kiss the bride. Then we go over to the fellowship hall. We have a big dinner. Everybody hangs around and then we leave and everybody throws, you know, rose petals at us as we go down the sidewalk. And then we get in the car and we pull out of the parking lot and I say, well, that was fun. I'll see you next week. And then imagine that the only relationship you have with your spouse is maybe two hours a week for the rest of your life. How long would it take you to get to know them if you only saw them a couple hours a week? Would you ever honestly be able to say that you really know them? The reality is you cannot know someone you do not spend time with. And it's the same with Christ. If we want to know him, we must spend time with him. And if we want to know him on a deeper level, we must spend time with him on a deeper level. We need to spend, yes, we need to spend some time with Christ, reading his word, studying his word, praying, coming to church, we, we do need to spend Christ in those ways. But Paul's going to describe for us here in just a moment three additional ways to spend time with Christ that you may know him. And the rest of this verse where Paul says the power of his, uh, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his, of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul is describing what it is to know Jesus Christ in a deeply personal way. Someone once said this, to understand a person, you need to walk a mile in their shoes. And that's kind of what Paul describes for us in the rest of verse number 10. He describes 
experiencing the things that Jesus Christ experienced. So we see Paul wants to know Jesus on a personal level. But then he says this. He says, and the power of his resurrection, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul not only wants to know Jesus personally, but one of the steps in knowing Jesus on that deep, intimate, personal level is to know Jesus on a powerful level. To know Jesus on a powerful level. Now when Paul says here that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, Paul is not speaking of some supernatural, mystical power. Paul is not talking about having the power of the resurrection to wield on his own. Paul is not talking about uh, performing miracles. Paul is not talking about healing people. He is not speaking about resurrecting people. That is not when he, when he talks about the power of the resurrection. He's not. That's not what he's talking about. Nor is he talking about you know speaking in tongues or having visions or telling prophecies of the future. This is not the type of power that Paul is talking about here when he says that I may that I may know the power of his resurrection. He's not talking about power that comes from God that he would wield. That's not, that's not what Paul's speaking of. Nor is Paul saying that one day I hope I'm resurrected. I want to know the, the power of the resurrection. One day I want to be resurrected. What Paul is talking about here when he says to know the power of his resurrection is about knowing the power of Christ's resurrection in his life. Knowing the power of Christ's resurrection in his life. Well, okay, fine, Pastor Ryan. What does that mean? Well, go in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Just one book back. We're in Philippians. Go back to Ephesians. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus about the power of the resurrection. In Ephesians chapter number 1, starting in verse 15, Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says this, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul says, look, I've heard about you, I've heard about your good works, and I'm praying for you. And then this is what Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So what's Paul saying there? Paul says, this is my prayer for you, the Ephesian church. My prayer for you is that you would have a spirit of wisdom, okay? And a little s spirit, not, not talking about the Holy Spirit here, little s, an attitude, a mindset, that you may have a mindset, an attitude of wisdom, an, uh, an, inner, an inner desire for wisdom, a, a, a spirit of wisdom, and revelation, knowledge, understanding, you know, grasping something. Revelation in the knowledge of Him. So he says, my prayer is that you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And then he says this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I want, you to I want you to understand something. I want you to see something for the first time. I want you to know something. That's what Paul says. My prayer for you is that you will know and understand this. Okay, well, what is it? 
that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints. So Paul says, I want you to know the hope of his calling and I want you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And that's a separate message. We deal with those at a different time. But then he says this in verse 19. This is the third thing he wants them to know. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? He said, what I want you to know is I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Look, I want you to know the power of God at work in your life to usward. Look, again, he's not talking about power that we wield. He's not talking about power that God gives us to do. No, he's talking about God's power at work to usward. God's power at work in us and to us. And then I would also submit to you God's power that's at work on our behalf. Because God does things for us. God orders things in our lives sometimes that we don't even have any knowledge of. But he says, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of his power to usward. And then he says this, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That same power that God is using to work in your heart and in your life, that same power that God is using to transform you and to change you into what he wants you to be and what he wants me to be is that same power that he used to resurrect Jesus Christ from the grave. That's an awesome thing. That's a, that's a, to me, that is a mind blowing thing that that same power that, that God used to resurrect Christ is the same power that he uses in my life to change me and to transform me. And when Paul tells the church at Philippi, when he says, look, I want to know him and I want to know the power of his resurrection. That's what he's talking about. I want to know the power of that transformation. That same power that he used to raise Christ from the dead, that he put, that he uses in my life. That's what I want to know. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know what it's like to be transformed. I want to know what it's like to put all the past sin behind. I want to know what it's like to break the chains of sin, to have God break the chains of sin in my life. I want to know what it's like to be transformed. I think of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 when he, he talks about, um, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what, that what I would do, for, that, for what I would, that do I not. But, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul's is talking about it in Romans chapter 7. I want to break this chain of sin. I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things that I should do. But I want to know the power of his resurrection. Because I want those things to change. I want that stuff to stop. I want to know the transforming power of Christ at work in my life. That same power that he used to resurrect Christ, I want him to use it on me. And not just to resurrect me from the grave one day, but to change me in the way I am today. Paul says, I want to know his power. I want to know him on a personal level 
But part of that knowing him on a personal level is I need to know him on a powerful level. And that's, we, I, I, as I said, I'm preaching to the choir tonight. This is a Sunday night crowd. But that is a process that started in your life the day of salvation. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, look, that's the first step. You're never going to have that complete transformation until you take that first step of salvation and allow God to begin to work upon you. Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. And then he says this. He says, I want to know him in pain as well. I want to know him in power, but I want to know him in pain. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. To truly know Christ on a deep level requires us also to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Sometimes you have to endure some pain to get to know Jesus Christ. I'm very thankful that in my life, and I know things can change at a moment's notice, but I've not had to know a lot of suffering in my life. And probably many of us in here would, would say the same thing, but I know that there are some in here who have known suffering, and they have known suffering in this life. But sometimes to know Christ on that deep, intimate level, that's when you get to know Him in this sweet time of fellowship is sometimes in the most difficult times of life. When Christ ministered here on earth, we all know it, He was not received with open arms. His half-brothers rejected Him. They thought He was crazy. At one point in one of the Gospels, they come, they come to see Him and they, they want to take Him away because they say He is beside Himself. His hometown rejected Him. Jesus said this, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country. Why did he say that? Because he went there and they rejected his message. They rejected him. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 3, Isaiah prophesied it. Isaiah talked about it before Jesus was even born. Isaiah said this, He is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Paul says, I want to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. In all honesty, there's probably not very many of us who would raise our hand tonight and say, yeah, I want to suffer. Even, even if that's what it takes to get to know Jesus, I want to suffer. Probably not many of us, myself included, really want to take it that far. But Paul says that I may know him, that I may know him in the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection. When Paul got saved, when Paul got saved, uh, if you remember back in the book of Acts in, verse, in chapter number nine, when Paul got saved, God already talked about the fact that Paul was going to suffer. Go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we have the account of Paul on the Damascus Road and Paul's uh, miraculous conversion on the Damascus Road. And if you remember the story, Paul is blinded on the Damascus Road and Paul uh, 
he's with some other folks, and I imagine they carry him on down the road to Damascus, and they drop him off at this house. And he's blind, I believe, for three days. He's blind, and he fasts for three days, and he's sitting there and not sure exactly what's going on. And then God calls up a man named Ananias. And God says to Ananias, he says, Ananias, I want you to go uh, to Paul, or to Saul. He was still called Saul at that time. And Ananias says, God, are you sure? I know that I've heard about this guy, Saul, and I'm not too sure that, uh, that this, is my, this is my calling in life. And God says, yeah, it is. I want you to go to Saul. And he says this in verse 15 and 16. This is the message that God wanted Ananias to carry to Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul. Go thy way, he tells Ananias, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know, I got saved when I was an 11-year-old boy. And if at my salvation, God had said to me, now I'm going to show you all the things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. I'm not sure I'd have been too excited about the rest of my Christian life. But that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. I'm going to show him all the things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And then later we find the Apostle Paul writing that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. Sometimes we go through difficult things in life because that's one of the ways we are transformed into his image. We are changed into his image. That's God's plan for every believer, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's plan for the life of every believer. Sometimes we know we come to learn more about Christ when we suffer like he suffered by knowing about that suffering firsthand. As I said earlier, I've not suffered a lot of tragedy in my life. And ashamedly, I would say I, I hope I don't suffer a lot of tragedy in my life. But the few things that I have endured in life, I know that sometimes some of the times you feel the closest to the Lord is when you're going through some of the greatest difficulties, whether it's an illness a loss of a loved one, a difficult trial, whatever it may be. But sometimes that's when you feel the closest to Jesus. Jesus never promised us that we were going to have an easy life. What did he tell his disciples? Well, he told them in John 15, if the world hates me, it's going to, they're going to hate you. Look at John 15. What does he say in verses 18 and 19? If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Jesus never said it was going to, the Christian life was going to be an easy thing. Uh, in some ways, suffering is, is ingrained into the Christian life. He says, if the world hates you, you Know that they hated me first. Know that they hated me first. They're not going to like you because you're not of the world. Um, it's, no, it's, no, it's no secret that many of the things that we believe 
are not popular in the present world in which we live. It doesn't mean we have to be arrogant about it or we need to be uh, mean-spirited about it or we need to be, you know, um, rubbing everybody's face in it. But it's no secret that the things that we believe are not popular. The things that we stand for, to, for, for me to stand up here and say, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by Him. You're not giving to, getting to heaven any other way. That's not a very popular message today. And Jesus said, if they don't like your message, if they hate you, just know that they hated me first. Paul wrote to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, and verse 12, and said this, All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you're going to live for the Lord, and I hope that you, I hope that you commit your life to live it for the Lord, no matter what may come, but if you're going to live for the Lord, there's going to be some persecution. Now, hopefully it won't be harsh. Hopefully it won't be, you know, to the point of death. But if you're going to live for the Lord, there's going to be some persecution. Paul told the Philippian church back in, our, back in uh, the beginning of the book of Philippians. Paul told the Philippian church, he said this, For unto you it is given... In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. Paul told the Philippians, he says, look, it's given to you as, as Christians, not only to believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. If you remember what happened when Paul planted the church at Philippi, there was a riot. There was a riot. Paul went to jail. They beat Paul and they put him in the stocks and Paul went to jail and Paul and Silas, they sang, uh, they sang hymns and psalms that night. And then there was a great earthquake. And then, you know, the Philippian jailer came in and he was ready to kill himself. And Paul says, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We're still here. And then the Philippian jailer got saved. And then the next day they secretly came to Paul and they said, okay, Paul, we've dropped all the charges. So why don't you just get out of town? And Paul said, look, you took me publicly and made all these accusations against me and you beat me. And now you just want to turn me loose to walk through the streets and think nobody else is going to take revenge upon me. No, you need to come take me out yourself. That's what happened when Paul planted the church at Philippi. And then Paul tells the Philippians here, look, it's given to you not just to believe upon Christ, but to suffer for his sake as well. If you're going to be a believer, there's going to be some suffering. And I know we don't like to think about these things. But Paul says, look, I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to have a deeper relationship with Christ. And part of that is knowing the power of his resurrection. But part of that is also knowing the fellowship of his sufferings. Suffering in some of the ways that he suffered despised and rejected. And again, we shouldn't go out seeking that. But based on the things that we believe in the gospel we preach, there's not that many ways around it either. It just is what it is. Paul says that I may know him, power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And then he says this, being made conformable unto his death. 
Paul says, I want to know him personally. I want to know him powerfully. I want to know him painfully. And then he says this, I want to know him patiently. I want to know his patience. Now, when Paul says being made conformable unto his death, Paul was not saying, I want to be crucified. He's not saying, I want to die the way that Jesus died. That's not what Paul is saying. I want them to take me out and scourge me and, you know, rip my beard out and then crucify me. That's not what Paul was saying. The word conformable means this, to fashion oneself according to. To fashion oneself according to. To share the same form from. To embody the same reality. That's what the word conform means. To, to fashion oneself according to, to embody the same reality. Paul is not saying, I want to be crucified the way that Christ was crucified. What he's saying is this, I want to be like Christ. I want to be as Christ was when he was crucified. I want to have that same attitude. I want to have that same spirit. I want to have that same submissiveness that Christ had when he was crucified. Being conformable unto his death. Think about Christ when he went to the cross. Christ was, was submissive when he went to the cross. The night before he went to the crucifixion, where do you find him? You find him in the garden. What is he praying? He's praying this, not my will, but thine will be done. If there's any way that I can get out of this, I'd like to get out of it, but not my will, but thy will. He was submitted to the, to the Father. He was not personally offended over the behavior of the soldiers, those that beat him, those that spat upon him, that pulled his beard out. He wasn't, he wasn't personally offended at Pilate. He was not personally offended at the leaders of Israel. He said, what does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He, they reviled upon him, but he reviled not again. He was patient. He was long-suffering. And this is what Paul is writing about when he says, I want to be made conformable unto his death. I, wanted to, I want to be, I want my life to be a life submitted to God the way that Christ was submitted to the Father. I want my life to be a life dead to self the way that Christ was dead to self. Look, Jesus Christ, as the creator of the world, should not have had to sit there and endure the things he endured. He said it himself. Could not my Father send legions of angels to deliver me from this? He, didn't he, he should not have had to endure it. But he was dead to self. He knew that what he was enduring was for God's greater plan, was for the salvation of the world. Paul says, I want to be made conformable unto his death. Go in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. He says this, Paul writes in Romans chapter number 6, he says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. It's not talking about water baptism here. It's talking about 
when you got saved, you were made part of Christ. You were, you were baptized figuratively, if you will, into Christ. You're made part of the body of Christ. We are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, that for he that is dead is freed from sin. Paul's writing about here, he says, look, when you got saved, you, you were baptized into Christ. And you were crucified with Christ. And now that old man is dead. And you walk in newness of life. And one of the things of that is this. You can be dead to self. So when someone reviles against you, when someone says awful things about you, when someone, and pastor knows this, all pastors we share this, when someone sends you a nasty email, you don't have to hit the reply button. You don't revile yet again. You can be dead to self. When some of your coworkers don't, don't like the things you believe, when they don't like the things you stand for, you can be just dead to self. You don't have to ruin your testimony by running your mouth. You can just be dead to self. The way that Christ was dead to self. Not taking personal offense, not being tempted by sin, requires us to be yielded and filled with the Spirit. And that's what Jesus was His entire ministry. Yielded to and filled with the Spirit. If we're going to be conformed to His death, we can't pursue our own personal wishes and put our own personal wishes and desires above God's will. We have to be submitted to Him. We have to be dead to self. So Paul's writing this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. That I may know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. Paul is writing this to say, look, I want to know Jesus Christ on a deeply personal level. And so my question to you tonight, as we took the Lord's table this morning and we took some time to refocus and to focus our attention on that which matters most. My question to you this evening is, do you want to know Him? Not just know Him in the sense of, hey, I prayed the prayer and I'm going to heaven and hey, it's all good. But do you want to know Him? Do you have personal, deep fellowship with Him? Do you want to know the power of His resurrection? And hey, I want to know the power of the resurrection someday because I want God to, well, I'll say this. First of all, I want to go by the upper taker, not the undertaker, right? I don't really want to have to go through the grave first, but if that's the case, yeah, I want to know the power of the resurrection in that way. But that's really not what it's about. It's about knowing the power of the transformation, that same resurrecting power transforming me. Jesus did not come and give his life just to be your acquaintance just to be my acquaintance. Jesus came so that we could know Him. Know Him on a deeply personal level. If you're here this evening and you've 
put your faith in His death and His atonement that He made on your behalf and on my behalf, then you're born again. And that's fantastic. But how many of us can say we want to know Jesus on the level that Paul talks about here in this passage? Am I really willing to suffer to get to know Him? Am I really willing to endure? Am I really willing to be dead to self? As you grow in the Christian life, your desire to know Christ should grow as well. Do you have a desire to have a deeper knowledge of Christ? We all desire to know that prophetic resurrection. One day we're going to be with the Lord. But do you want to know the power of the transformation? Do you want to know that sweet fellowship? Sometimes when you're just going through the trials of life and you can't sleep and you're just watching the minutes tick by on the clock in the middle of the night, it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and you just take some time to talk with the Lord and maybe weep before the Lord. You want to know that sweet fellowship of suffering? the difficult times? Do you desire to know the patience of dying to self? This is what the mature and victorious Christian life is about. And this is what Paul aspired to. Paul wrote this. Paul was already the, the great apostle Paul at this point. Paul was in a Roman prison. I'm sure he was suffering already. Paul was in a Roman prison when he wrote this. But Paul said... I still want to know Him better. I still want to know Him more. That transformation in my life is not complete yet. I want to know it. The suffering's not complete. I want to know Him in His suffering. This is what Paul aspired to. And this is what we should aspire to. It's my hope that as believers, it does not take the fires of persecution to drive us to desire a deeper knowledge of Christ. But that we can each make that decision that in 2021, I want to know Him better. I want to know Him better. I want to, that way that Paul talked about it, I want that in my life as well. That I may know Him. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.